I'm Misty Winkler from Simply Convivial, simply because I try to be clear, straightforward, and honest. Convivial, because my aim is a cheerful, lively home together with my people. Episode 6. listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog, short but meaty segments to keep you focused and in the game as a homeschool mom. Atmosphere makes up one third of our education efforts, and Convivial sums up the home and education lifestyle that we're after. Lighthearted, festive, together, full of life, and yet rich and meaningful. Add a dash of simple to keep it real and manageable, and you have Simply Convivial. I'm all about classical education in our homeschool, but that's because I think that the best minds from the beginning of history have been wrestling with the same questions that we homeschool moms do. How do we make lifelong learners? How do we teach our kids not only what is right, but to love what is right and do it? How do we do that ourselves? How do we know what is most important to do with our limited time and energy? Joining that conversation is something we can all do, regardless of the label that we choose. Let's do it. For the first season of the Simply Convivial audio blog, I'm revisiting one of my favorite series, the Education is for Life series, where I take the principles of classical education and apply them to the home and our lives as mothers. This series was inspired by a set of webinars by Dr. Christopher Perrin, which you can find along with a set of pretty printable commonplace entries for all six Latin mottos that go with these posts at simplyconvivial.com slash audio. That's simplyconvivial.com slash audio, where you can also sign up to receive the show notes and links by email every week. And now, the meat. The best teacher, repetitio mater memoriae, or repetition. When I first outlined this series, Education is for life. I chose five principles, but as I was writing them, I kept returning again and again to this idea of repetition. Dr. Perrin's series includes this Latin motto, Repetitio Mater Memoriae, as one of his eight principles of classical education, and I realized that there was no leaving it out of this series. Nearly every day, I am confronted with the idea, and definitely the reality, of repetition. The longer that I parent small children, the more I've had to come to reconcile myself to repetition. Now, one of the Latin mottos that I frequently tell my children is, Usus es magister optimus. Practice is the best teacher. And of course, practice means repetition. Repetitio mater memoriae. This Latin motto, which is apparently one used frequently in Latin classes, means repetition is the mother of memory. I think it's supposed to spur you on to chant those declensions, but the truth contained in this motto should also spur us on in much more than language acquisition. What adjectives do you associate with repetition? Perhaps dull, boring, monotonous? What about training, practice, discipline, rehearsal. Pianists practice the same scales and pieces over and over daily. Actors rehearse their scenes over and over. Athletes practice the same drills over and over. 
In the same way, we must repent, pray, read our Bible, speak kindly, admonish, rejoice, give thanks, wash dishes, do laundry daily, even multiple times daily. We must do so in order to become good at it, to become fit and trained, to imitate and glorify our Father. What about habit, ritual, routine, liturgy, tradition? We want to commit certain things not only to our cognitive memory, but also to our muscle memory, our reflexive memory. The way that we do that is by repetition, not by fiat. Moreover, repetition is the way that our children also internalize not only words and tunes, but also ideas and practices. If we're pursuing a full-orbed education, a preparation for, and a living out of, a rich life, then we cannot scorn repetition. Indeed, we might actually have to embrace it, maybe even come to love it. Repetition. So repetition is a fact of life. And it turns out that that's a good thing. Philippians 2.1 says, To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and safe to you. Oh, that we mothers had that same attitude. To repeat the same things to you is no trouble to me. That's not what I'm thinking when I'm telling my children the same reminder for the third time in as many minutes. Must I really say, did you brush your teeth every single morning? Won't they ever catch on? It is so hard to have a good attitude about all the repetition in our lives. Somehow we think that it demeans us or demeans what we're saying and doing as if because we must repeat ourselves or our actions, we must not be being respected. But it's simply not true. To repeat ourselves is safety for our children. It's watering the garden again and again, saying what must be said and doing what must be done. It reminds me of a section from Chesterton's Orthodoxy. A child kicks his legs rhythmically through excess, not absence, of life. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They often say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again till he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Chesterton directly applies this to our own bad attitudes about monotonous duties. The sun rises every morning. I do not rise every morning, but the variation is due not to my activity, but to my inaction. Now, to put the matter in a popular phrase, it might be true that the sun rises regularly because he never gets tired of rising. His routine might be due not to lifelessness, but to a rush of life. What if our perceptions about repetition are all wrong-headed? Does God repeat himself? Yes. So when we repeat ourselves, could it be a way that we are imitating and imaging God? We get all frustrated, as if the necessity of repetition is part of our finiteness and fallenness. But when we look at scripture, we see that the infinite and perfect God delights in the repeating cycle of day and night, of seasons, of sustaining the world today in the same way that he has since the beginning. On top of that, we see that he repeats himself to us as well, giving us story after story, example after example, admonition after admonition, patient hearing after patient hearing. Perhaps there is actually glory in repetition if we have the eyes to see it. 
Repetition at home. One of the most frustrating areas of repetition in our lives is disciplining our children. Giving a reprimand once should be enough, we think. Or at least I do. Do we really have to go over how we don't play in toilets three times daily all week? Must I really insist every time that washing hands is not washing hands if there is no soap involved? All these little trivial details begin to wear us down. But perhaps that's because we're operating under a false paradigm, one that does not see how much repetition is woven into our very existence. If we want things all done, over, ended, isn't that, in a way, wishing for death? Life is not only full of, but built with and upon, repeated actions and processes. Moreover, what if the discipline of our children is as much about our own discipline and upbringing as our children's? Love is patient. To grow in love, then, we need opportunities to practice over and over and over patience, which the dictionary defines as the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Repeating ourselves continually is a form of delay, of trouble, and sometimes feels like suffering. So if we use it as a chance to practice patience, if we repeat patient responses with enough frequency, we will grow in that virtue over time. Repetition in Schedule What is habit formation but repeating behaviors that we want to cultivate? Virtue is cultivated not in any one-time act, but in making the right choice so often that it becomes a matter of automaticity rather than deliberate, painstaking self-denial. A habit is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it becomes nearly involuntary, and practice makes perfect. Repeating the same thing over and over means you're working toward becoming good at that thing, even if it's as simple as making your bed or starting chores after breakfast. It means you don't expect yourself to get it right the first time or even every time. Deliberate practice is work, but it bestows excellence after consistent, persistent application. Charlotte Mason said, Habit rules 99% of everything we do. Repetition as a mother. Accepting the need for repeating ourselves opens us up to the other error of becoming the woman likened to a continual dripping in Proverbs. What's the difference between reminding and nagging? I think it's attitude. Look at the definitions. Nag. Annoy or irritate a person with persistent fault-finding or continuous urging, being persistently painful, troublesome, or worrying. Remind. Call to mind, bring something, especially a commitment or necessary course of action, to the attention of someone. If we are reminding and repeating with or because of frustration, worry, or stress, then no good will come of it. But if we undertake it in humility, love, and respect, then it will be a balm and a blessing to our family. The words themselves might even be the same, but the state of the heart is the power behind the words invoking them for either good or ill. Who can change a sinner's heart? The Holy Spirit alone. In other words, repetition is another call to live a life of repentance. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver Strategy, a brain dump. When does that brilliant idea strike? When do you remember that you're desperately low on milk? 
It's rarely when you actually sit down pen in hand to make a relevant list. So if you don't write it down right away, it's gone, hence the need for ubiquitous capture. Ubiquitous capture is a term from David Allen's Getting Things Done that basically means you should always have a way to write it down right away, any information that you need to have, rather than assuming that you'll remember it or remember to write it down later. If an event or plan is mentioned, put it on the calendar right then. If you pull out the last bag of flour, add it to the grocery list immediately. If you say you'll bring something to some place, make that note. My own personal ability to keep any information or reminders in my head has been practically nil in the last few years. And I think that's true for most of us suffering from mommy brain. So we need to heed this advice from David Allen's Getting Things Done. These collection tools should become part of your lifestyle, he writes. Keep them close by so no matter where you are, you can collect a potentially valuable thought. Think of them as being as indispensable as your toothbrush or your driver's license or your glasses. Of course, the point isn't only to write things down. They have to be processed also. During your weekly review, you collect up your notes and get them into your systems. The point of writing them down is so you don't lose them. Whether rattling around in your head or scattered on loose papers, that information is lost until it's in its own right place, whether that be the calendar, the to-do list, the someday maybe list, or a reference notebook. Work through the free brain dump guide at simplyconvivial.com audio and clear your head of clutter today. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. That helps iTunes decide to share it with others looking for homeschool inspiration. Head over to simplyconvivial.com slash review for a quick and easy way to help spread the word. Thank you. And if you haven't already, head over to simplyconvivial.com slash audio for links to the latest episodes, to sign up to receive show notes, and to find this season's free download. Remember, education is repentance. Repent. Rejoice. Repeat.